0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. The Gospel reading today, the fourth Sunday of the blessed month of Tut, uh, comes to us, it should be familiar for us, it's uh, one of the Gospels from the Midnight uh, Prayers in the Agbeya, it comes from Luke uh, chapter 7. And in this story, this sinful woman goes into Simon the Pharisee's house, who made... Um, uh, like a gathering for his Pharisee friends and they invited the Lord Jesus and the sinful woman wanted to meet the Lord to be, you know, forgiven. So she enters in this house with great courage being unwelcomed and she, you know, falls at the feet of the Lord and weeps at his feet and wipes his uh, feet with her hair and her tears. And at the end of the story, the, that she is uh, justified and she is forgiven. And the Lord told her, "Your sins are forgiven." On the flip side of this, you have Simon who invited her, uh, invited him into the house, and um, while he was showing forgiveness to the woman who came weeping and repenting, he also was um, rebuking Simon the Pharisee and he rebuked him for two things. The first thing is judging the woman and judging the Lord. He judged the woman that she's a sinner when she came in. And then he judged the Lord because he said, if this man would have known who and what kind of woman this was who touched him, he wouldn't allow her to touch him. So he judged the both of them. The second thing that he rebuked him for was his uh, lack of hospitality. He said to her, "What? Do you see this?" He said after you know she repented, he said, turned to Simon. He said, "Do you see this woman? I entered your house, uh, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head." The custom of the time was any guest who was coming to the house, part of the way we welcomed them or they welcomed them was to wash their feet. They didn't have shoes like we did now. They wore sandals and it was, you know, it was dirty. There wasn't like, uh, pavement and things like this. So it was very dirty. So the custom was to wash, you know, any guest's feet. The servant would come and wash their feet as a sign of welcome. So the Lord rebuked him for judging and for lack of hospitality. Uh, I'd like to speak a little bit this week and next week about Hospitality as a virtue and as a Christian duty. Hospitality as a uh, virtue and Christian duty. What is hospitality? The Greek word actually for hospitality is philozenia, which of course we can break it up in two. Philo is love, like, you know, like the brotherly love, you know, philadelphia, like that's where the word comes from, brotherly love. Um, so the first one is philia and zenia means like stranger or foreigner or somebody who's different than I am. Uh, so it's the lover of stranger. So a uh, person who's hospitable is a person who loves strangers. Often a mistake we make when we uh, think about hospitality, we think of it as you know some we're just an invite like uh, having a party or having a gathering. Hospitality. This is more of entertaining. So hospitality is not something that we do just for entertainment. Um, and what's the difference is entertainment when we entertain guests in our house for entertainment. The idea is here that me and my family are entertained. But hospitality is not me centered or my family centered. It's centered around who? The guest, right? The guest becomes the person that a focus. They come in and we focus how we can serve and honor them and provide for whatever need they have. So it's more, uh, of God and neighbor centered rather than Myself and my family centered. Um, hospitality also provides an opportunity for us to create an environment of God's love for other people to experience. So when I'm inviting somebody to my home that I know they cannot repay me, the idea is for me to communicate to them and to allow them to experience God's love uh, and His touch. And why I'm speaking about this, twofolds. One, so we can apply some of this to our homes, and also apply this to the greater church. In the early church, the home was where, the places where the believers would gather. So now, because there are many Christians, we gather in churches like this. So everybody's kind of invited. But imagine in the early church, the gatherings were done in homes. So it was imperative that the homes were very welcoming, because then how would the faith spread? There would be no other place to gather. He'd have to find maybe another, you know, house that's, uh, there are Christians, and that would welcome them. So it's very important that our homes and our churches becomes place of hospitality uh, and of uh, welcoming one another and caring for the needs of others. Why am I speaking about uh, hospitality? Why is it important? Why is it necessary? Number one is that uh, hospitality opens the door for blessings. It opens the door for blessings. There's a story in the Old Testament about Elisha and the Shunammite woman. And I'll refer to this a little bit later. But if you recall, Elisha used to live in Mount Carmel. And then he would go and pass through Shunamm as part of his service. And it was about 20 miles away. So this woman kept seeing Elisha go back and forth and recognized that he was a man of God. So she wanted to serve him. So she asked her husband, let's prepare food for him. And then she said, let's prepare a room and things where he can stay. Um, and what ended up happening was she did this for Elisha, and Elisha saw her generosity, and he wanted to give her something, uh, and ultimately he prophesied that she would have a son, and a year later she gave, uh, God gave her a son as, um, as a reward to her generosity. Um, and the tradition tells us that the son that she bore was Jonah the prophet. So look, the fruit of her um, generosity and her hospitality allowed God to bless her with a son um and a son that would be his servant. So number one, hospitality opens the door for blessings for me and my family and our church as a whole. Also, not only that, but opens the door for blessing to those who visit our home. If you remind me, actually the gospel for next week is about the, the man who was carried by his four friends, right? And if you remember that there was, there was was they were gathered in a house and there were too many people around the house. So the Lord was in the house ministering to everybody who's in the house. So this house was hosting all of these people and the Lord was teaching them and filling their souls with his, with his teaching. And then certainly He was healing. And this man, the glimpse that we get from the Gospel is that they tried to get in but they couldn't. So they went on the roof and let down the paralyzed man in front of the Lord and he was healed. Imagine if this person didn't open his home to the Lord for him to teach. Perhaps this paralyzed man wouldn't find this opportunity. Perhaps if this man didn't open his home to these people, they wouldn't hear the words of the Lord. This perhaps would have been the one time some people in this home could have heard the Lord teach and changed their life forever. So not only when we are hospitable does it open the door for blessings for me and my family, but opens the door for blessing to those who visit and those who are uh, passed by. Number three, also, um, <clears throat> we have to understand that this is important because uh, when we speak about um, our hearts and our homes and our churches, uh, I'm reminded of what the Lord said in Revelations chapter 3. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So the Lord is telling us here that he only goes to the places where He is welcome. So the Lord only enters homes and hearts where He is welcome. So if we don't have a hospitable home, a hospitable church, uh then whom are we going to have as our guest? Christ is not going to open the door and barge in, whether in our homes or in our church or in any part of our life, but He just stands at the door and knocks. If you recall uh, the story of Zacchaeus, he wanted to see the Lord and perhaps he wanted the Lord to come to his home but he was too embarrassed to ask. So he said, let me just just get a glimpse of the Lord. So he climbed up into this tree and he was looking to see the Lord. The Lord de- saw the desire of his heart for him to go to his house. So he came and called him by name and told him, Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house. And how, what was Zacchaeus' response? Do you remember? It says he came down with what? With haste. He came down with haste. He was elated. Okay, absolutely. You're more than welcome. So, because of his hospitality and his welcoming, and certainly his wife wasn't ready for this, he just kind of came and invited himself. But they welcomed him with such hospitality, and he repented there. And he heard the the faithful, the, the beautiful words of saying, "Salvation has come to this household." So, hospitality is crucial, my beloved, because the Lord will only enter the homes and hearts where he is welcome. Lastly, hospitality creates an opportunity for transformation. And we see this in the life of Saint Matthew, the tax collector, right? He was sitting at the tax office, collecting taxes, perhaps cheating others, and maybe desired to, you know, uh, meet the Lord Jesus and follow him. And the Lord came to him and said, leave this and follow me. And immediately he rose up and he followed him. What does the Bible tell us that Saint Matthew did after this? Listen, listen what he says. says, Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, the house of St. Matthew, and behold, many task collectors and sinners uh, came and sat down with him and his disciples. So he had a gathering of fellow task collectors and sinners, people that didn't know God. And he invited the Lord and his disciples to sit among them. Why? Because he wanted them to experience what he did. He wanted them to be invited the same way he was invited. He wanted them to experience the transformation that he experienced. But There was another group of people who were there, and those were the Pharisees. And they said among themselves, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And the Lord in response, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But I, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I didn't come to, for the, for the people who are righteous. Doesn't mean the righteous don't take advantage and are, you know, granted a, a beautiful relationship. No. But he says, I came to call the sinners to repentance. I came to transform, right? So if we don't have this hospitable home, then how will, my home and my friends and family be transformed It'd be very difficult. We have a few services that started um recently in the church that um uh, it's really a beautiful uh, service where they gather some of the for now it's for the girls you know the girls they gather the middle school girls gather together, and where they gather they gather in one of the homes of uh, of the of the kids. This is beautiful. It teaches us why to uh, have these gatherings make be spiritual gatherings. You know why is it that when we have guests over at our house we can't open the Bible together we can't read something we can't say a prayer together? It's just about entertaining and having fun. But these types of gatherings are beautiful. The same kind of fun is had, but it's it's God centric. There's some spiritual word. There's a, a a spirit of fellowship, although it's done in the homes, right? So what are some characteristics of Christian hospitality? I'm going to read for you a few verses about the Shunammite woman and we'll take a few points this week and we'll make uh, make some other points uh, next week but we'll take a few points from this uh, passage. Um the story comes in 2 Kings chapter 4 and it says what? Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunam, where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food so it was as often as he passed by he would turn in there to eat some food and she said to her husband look now i know that this is a holy man of god who passes by us regularly please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in it for, uh, bed in bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us he can turn in there so he sees this man of God in need of something. So what do we learn from this Shunammite woman in this act? That we can learn for ourselves to be hospitable in our homes and also in the church. Number one is sometimes hospitality requires uh persuasion. It says here what that she persuaded him to eat some food. Do you know what we call that in, in our culture? Azuma. Azuma, right? You go to a house, but then she's like over and over and over again, then she doesn't know how to azum somehow. Um, but this is like azuma. Why do, do they do this? Because sometimes it requires persuasion to convince the person of your own sincerity. And they also, you know, they have another, you know, expression in Arabic, which is not in English. The other side of azuma, there's azuma. You know, marakab is what? Marakab is like a boat, all right? So where does this come from? So the idea is like somebody can invite you, and when it's a real azuma, they're like in home and want you to come. Azuma marakab is like they're on the boat and saying, hey, you on the shore, why don't you come and join us on the boat? As the what? As they're passing by. Do they really mean it? No, and if they meant it, they would pull over and ask you to come on the boat azumabeya is like eh, I'm inviting you but it'd be only because I have to but I really don't mean it so it's not sincere so how is it that we know the difference between azuma azuma by the any persuasion right persuade. sometimes it requires this any persuasion um, and this again tells of our sincerity if you look at the gospel for today when Simon was inviting the Lord to come into his house to have this supper together was it Azuma or was it Azuma Marakbeya and the Lord just happened to come? It wasn't real sincere. Why? It says what? When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who the man or this woman who touched him. Perhaps he was inviting him, not as a guest to serve him because he didn't even wash his feet. It wasn't about the guest. It was about something else. It was about himself and perhaps the other Pharisees that were there. Perhaps they got brought the Lord here to test him, to try him, to uh, to get some to get catch him in a word, but it wasn't really sincere. But the beautiful thing is the Lord went anyways. So our hospitality, my beloved, has to be sincere, and most of us, I any mean, most people, can see through this, can see through whether it's really sincere or really insincere. So sometimes you know it requires persuasion. But our hospitality needs to be sincere. When we invite somebody to our home, it needs to be sincere and they should be felt this way. When somebody comes new in the church and we say to them, good morning, and we put this brief fake smile on our face and then as we walk away, we look them up and down. Is this a sincere welcome? Somebody that comes to the church here that maybe looks different than we do and we do this to them. Is this sincere or is this not? It's not sincere. So we need to change our mind and uh, and our actions to allow you know others to feel like this is their home this is their home um many years ago there was an incident you know that happened here uh it was very unfortunate and difficult and among um this incident there are people they lived uh in, uh you know a nearby place here and this, because of this incident, had many people who were coming to visit them. And their neighbors, who weren't Coptic at all, they were just American people, they, re- they saw the need. So they said to them, take our house so that you can lodge those guests who are coming to you. And we'll go stay somewhere else with our friends. Because their house was right next door to theirs. So they left their home for them, for any people who were visiting. I look at this and say, "Could we, we would, we would, do, we would do this? I don't know if we would do this. Leave our whole home to people who we don't know, so somebody else can be, you know, comforted and fill, and fill this need. It's beautiful. This is what is true hospitality. <clears throat> hospitality also is to fill a need. <clears throat> we saw in the uh, in the story where the Shunammite woman saw the need of the prophet Elijah." He walked like twenty miles, he's exhausted, and he needs a place to rest. So she said, Okay, we can just give him food. But th- this wasn't all that he needed, right? She needed more. So he she looked how she can fulfill all of his needs. He's tired, he might want to take a rest, he might want to um be by himself. So let's make not only give him food, but let's make a room for him there. There are many needs that our brethren need. And sometimes the physical needs are the ones that are easiest to point out. Okay, This person needs a couch, I can go help them get a couch. They need food, we can help them to get food. The physical needs are sometimes easy. But the needs that are more difficult are perhaps the spiritual needs and the emotional needs of the individuals around us. If you recall when the Lord fed the 5,000, it's very easy when we look at the story to see how he... You know, met their physical need by feeding them. They're with him all day. But did he not meet their spiritual needs? Because they were with him the whole day, listening to him teach, filling their souls with his beautiful words. Right? So he met their, their spiritual needs. And then when the physical needs were needed, he provided them as well. How about the emotional needs? And that says also that he healed the people there. Right? He healed them. And when the Lord healed, a lot of the times, you know, he would touch them and he would address their emotional need as well. The man who was sitting at the pool of Bethesda, for example, for 38 years. Why wasn't he pushed in when the um, angel stirred the water? Because he had no one to push him in. He felt lonely. So part of this man's healing wasn't simply that he healed his physical ailment, but that somebody even came to talk with me and cared for me. Right? So he met this emotional need. So the Lord met the emotional need, the physical need, and the spiritual need of people. To be hospitable, my beloved, we need to be aware of the needs of the people around us. And I think in our day and age now, we've been and so consumed with ourselves and with social media and how we present ourselves there, that sometimes we become deaf and numb to the needs of the people who are around us. But really, the blessing is to be keen to what the needs of the people are around us and to fill them without them asking. My parents come in from a long day of work and they're hard and they're exhausted and tired, and they just want to sit down, and I see that the dishes need to be done, or I can help heat up dinner or do whatever. I see a need and I try to fill the need without anybody asking. This is being hospitable. This is the virtue of hospitality. Of <coughs> What is the cost also of um of hospitality? We saw again in this uh, Shunammite woman that she made him food, and then she said, "Let's prepare a room for him, right?" And wh- what happened in this room? Is that she furnished the room. She put a bed. She put a table. She put a lampstand. Right. She put a chair. So she furnished the place. All this at her own expense, her and her husband, right? And they did this. So sometimes and oftentimes. There is a sacrifice involved with hospitality. and means that the guest takes and perhaps I don't. The guest is important. The guest, remember we said that it was, is guest centered and God centered, right? It's important that they find their rest and their sustenance. Um, and if you think about it, wouldn't have been enough to fill Elisha's need if he just made, uh, gave him food. Gave him a room and a bed. Why did she give him a table and a lamp stand? She thought, you know what? He's, he's a prophet. And he probably is a prophet. he's probably likes to read. So let me give him a place to read and a lamp stand so he can read at night and to study. So she thought about more than just, you know, meeting his immediate need. She wanted to meet even his desire. I recall um my family and I, we were, Recently, we went to go visit, you know, some people and we stayed with them. And, uh, I really have never, you know, um, was welcomed as much as, uh, as in this person's house, even in when I go visit my own family. And this person, when we went, I found that they thought of everything. They knew that I like coffee. So they put the nice coffee machine in the room that I was staying in. And they put snacks, not for me, but also for my children. And, you know, And they put like, you know, it was just uh, water in the, in the thing and they, they made sure like they had a a door that was secure for my family and I. So they went above and beyond. They they could have just given us a room and come eat with us and everything and, and we'll make you coffee if you want. But they just went above and beyond. I'm not saying that this is necessary, but it just shows you what the amount of love that they have, right? When we go above and beyond, it shows, uh, the heart that this pours out from. If I remind you the story of the Good Samaritan, <clears throat> um, and this was told in response where the lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? The Good Samaritan was the one who saw the man who was left dead, and he went and sacrificed. He sa- sacrificed his oil, his wine, his animals, his money, and his time. He sacrificed everything to provide for the needs of this man who needed it. This, my beloved, is hospitality. This is love. Lastly, um, uh, hospitality must be from a pure motive. And the story of the Shunamite woman, after she prepared everything, and Elisha would stay there, him and Gehazi, his uh, servant, he said to Gehazi, Go see, you know, ask her what she needs. I want to give her something in exchange. So Gehazi goes to her and says, Elisha is saying to you what can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? Do you want me to let the king know uh, and maybe he can give you something if you need anything or the commander of the army can protect you? Do you need any of this thing? And she turned and she said to him, I dwell among my own people. I dwell among my own people. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with my family, with my uh, extended family, my friends. I have everything that I need. I don't need anything. And she asked for nothing. And he went back and reported this to Elisha. And he said, she doesn't want anything. So he said to him, Do you, she doesn't need anything? And he said, well, I didn't see any children. She doesn't have a son. He said, very well. Tell her next year she's going to have a son. And he went and told her. And he gave her a son the next year. But you see, it, it comes from a pure motive. She didn't want anything in return. She wasn't expecting anything. She didn't ask anything. Her her hospitality was pure. She didn't ask, "How can I benefit from Elisha?" Sometimes, you know, we might we need to ask ourselves when we invite people over: Is there a certain benefit when I'm inviting, you know, somebody over? Um, When people come new to the church, I need to find out more about them first before I really am welcoming to them to see if they benefit me or not. If they benefit me, I'll be their best friend. Perhaps they're potential clients, a business partner. A loan, a lender, whatever it is. If they're beneficial to me, then I'll welcome them. Do we add, do we do this? Is there a connection to be had? Am I befriending somebody because of somebody they know that can perhaps help me? Do I do this simply to look good in front of others? So we learned th- uh, four things today, just to keep it simple, about this Shunammite woman and about the characteristics of Good Christian hospitality. Number one, we said what? Be sincere, right? Be sincere. Azuma bget mesh azuma right? Be sincere. Number two is fill a need. Find a need and fill it. And remember, I say many times, any virtue that we try to practice starts at home. Find a need at home and fill it. Number three is sacrifice. Hospitality will require some kind of sacrifice from us. And number four, Let your motives be pure. God willing, next week we'll say a few more characteristics and then a word of caution. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.